Hey, let me guess, you hate sales. Well, you're not alone. Most of us do, and it just doesn't feel natural. We don't want to be sleazy salespeople. And hey, man, sales just turn us off. As soon as I hear that word, you're a creative, you want to go take photos, you want to make art, you want to live that dream. And how easy would it be if you didn't have to do the awkward sales bit? I get it. I'm doing a three-day workshop and I'd love for you to join me to help you be empowered with your sales and not only just love your sales, but actually have a lot of fun in it as well. Sales won't just increase your profits in your business. It's going to help you create a better client experience and overall a better experience for you in your business, especially as you make a little bit more money and you start giving your clients the attention and the products and the services that they deserve. Now, if you want to learn my tips and tricks that help me scale my wedding photography biz past the 500000 per year mark, join in. It's only $9. It's coming up and you just have to head to my website, jialong.co. That's jialong.co. Register there, buy your ticket, $9. Now, it's three days around about one to two hours per day and it's going to be game changer for you. This one, you won't want to miss. You're listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break. Whether you're a big-hearted creative or an aspiring entrepreneur, let's take action on your dreams. Reconnecting you with your why and giving you the how. I'm here to dish out actionable mindset tips and fun industry secrets to help you blow up your biz. From eye-opening reality checks to motivational gold, no two episodes are ever the same. So tune in weekly. Skip the FOMO and let's dive into the deep together. Welcome back. You're listening to Jai Long. This is episode 175. And today I'm actually talking with a whole lot of community members uh, inside my six-figure business map about how to work with ADHD. It's such a strange and for a lot of people, uh, new territory to sort of navigate through as creatives and as we're sort of working out our own mental health and the way that we actually work and function and, and run and everything else. This conversation comes up a lot inside my community. So I really wanted to jump in and create a bit of an open discussion because I know obviously in my community, if people are going through a lot of these things, I know a lot of people in the world are going to be going through a lot of this as well, especially as creatives. I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's probably because we don't work a nine to five and we are more creative and we like to have control of our lives. And And one of the reasons is because we don't fit in the mold of the nine to five and uh, we like to take charge of our lives and, and we like to dance to the rhythm of our own drum beat. Hey, before we get into today, don't forget, if you do want to join um, the Six Figure Business Map, level up your business, get in there with coaching, with myself, with everything that's going on, big community, the wait list is open now. And the next enrollment is on the 12th of September, 2022. So you can head over to sixfigurebusinessmap.com. All the details are there. And once you actually join that wait list, I'm going to send you some free training to see where you can make some money in your business as fast as possible. Because I know a lot of us, it's a big investment and everything else to sort of join a new mastermind, new coaching program and get into a new course and everything. So I want to make sure that you're equipped with working out where you can actually double your income really fast because it's not as hard as what everybody thinks. And I'm going to send you some training to show you how to do that. So head over to Six Figure Business Map. Now, let's get into today's show. I'm really excited that you're here and I think we're probably going to do another episode just like this one in the near future as well. So look out for that one. 
Hey, today we've got a special episode. Um, I'm in a room with a whole bunch of sailors right now that have all been diagnosed with ADHD. We're going to have a big open conversation today. I'm going to ask some questions. Reason being because I think a lot of creatives go through this. I know my wife recently in the last 12 months actually just got diagnosed with ADHD and it helped her understand the way that she works and everything else. So ADHD covers a range of behavioral symptoms that includes inattentiveness, hyperactivity, and impulsiveness. And most people with ADHD have a combination of all these symptoms. I think a lot of creatives have it because from the outside, from what you guys, and I'm guessing you guys probably dealt with this a lot, but some people can think that you are lazy, not dedicated, you are not interested sometimes, like you get bored easily and things like that. And it can be something that was like, you are all those things, but people just didn't know that maybe that you just didn't have um, the intensiveness for that task or for whatever it is. And you had always good intentions, but you also got different superpowers, which is your creativity and you know so many other things. So I just want to go around the room right now and say hello and get you guys to introduce yourself. So I'm going to start with you, Nick. Yeah. So my name is Nick. Uh, I've been in the business map for about six months and I am a web designer inside of the course. And uh, I got diagnosed, I want to say about five years ago with uh, severe ADHD. Cool. Okay. I'm going to come back to you with that one. Um, Hey, Amy. Hi, my name is Amy. I'm a wedding photographer and do a million other things because of my brain and not being able to say no. I was diagnosed with ADHD a year ago. I've suspected that I've had it for a few years, um, but it just took a while to do anything about it and to be taken seriously by a doctor. But officially diagnosed a year ago, and I've ha- been in business for about 10 years, but it's taken a while to get to where I am. Thank you. Hey, Trey. Hey, so I am. Uh, my name is Trey, and uh, I've been in the business map for probably around seven months now, give or take. And um, I was officially diagnosed... Back in elementary school. So I've been dealing a lot with this for many, many years. And even now, my wife and I have just been trying to figure it out over the last few years of our marriage. And so it's definitely a wild one. But um, yeah. Hey, Caitlin. Hello. I'm Caitlin. I usually go by Katie. I have been in Business Map about six months now, also. And I'm wedding and couples photographer. I was diagnosed with ADHD a little over two years ago, and I actually managed my ADHD unmedicated until I started running a business. And so my understanding over the last few years has kind of been really interesting to see, but I definitely feel that it is a strength that I have as a business owner, though. I think that it works for me in lots of ways, but definitely have a spicy brain every now and again. <laughs> Love that. Hey, Jill. Hi, I'm Jill. I'm from Brisbane. I'm a wedding and everything else photographer because I can't stay focused. I've been in the business map since about November, I think. I was diagnosed with ADHD and autism late last year. Um, which is a really interesting combo, especially sort of new for women to be diagnosed with autism. Well, not new, but it's not common until recently. Yeah. And so that's uh, something that I have always dealt with and I've always sort of seen in myself, but I didn't have a formal diagnosis until recently. Yeah. Okay. Does anyone want to just put their view forward of what ADHD is for our listeners or their interpretation of it? 
it's a collection of symptoms that can affect different people in different ways. And you don't have to have all the symptoms and you don't have to be affected in the same ways. So it's one of those things where somebody might say, oh, that that isn't ADHD. That's something that everyone does. But just because you have that particular symptom doesn't mean that you have ADHD and vice versa. It doesn't mean that you don't have it. It's sort of a mix and match situation. So for those um, guys that, oh, sorry. Yeah. Do you want to share? Yeah, I'm um, trying not to be too ADHD and not interrupt. <laughs> but it <laughs> like yeah, five people uh, with yeah impulse um, impulse <laughs> issues. We're going to just keep going. It's a lack of dopamine. We don't have dopamine, and I and also like it should be called something else because people have a understanding what they think ADHD is, and then just kind of that compare you to that. So yes, it's a lack of dopamine and it should be like called executive function disorder. So those are the two things that the main issues of how to struggle. So things can feel really hard, including focusing, but especially an inattentive type, there's also a lot of emotional stuff that's hard, like regulating your emotions, being really sensitive to rejection and just like, you know, not really understanding time. And there's just, there's so much to it. It's not just like being distracted and not being able to focus. There's so much more. And I think that's really important for people to know about so that they're not just like, oh, everyone gets a little distracted or, oh, you just need a schedule. You'll be all right. But those, yeah, not having dopamine, which is a chemical in your brain, and then not being able to function <laughs> is well, ADHD. A couple of you guys said that um, you see it as more of a superpower. So I know that um, it can bring a lot of energy, enthusiasm, and new perspectives to the business space and the creative space. Does anyone tell me want to tell me why they see it as a superpower for themselves? I have felt very empowered by my ADHD diagnosis. I feel that it has been profoundly positive in my life. As a kid, I kind of managed really well in school because of the structure and all of my symptoms were there, but everyone kind of missed it because I kind of compensated in a way that was kind of conducive to an academic setting. And so as an adult and specifically as a parent who started staying home with their kids, I was like, wow, life is increasingly hard sometimes. And for me, I think that once I understood ADHD, I was relieved of a lot of the guilt I had and just questioning, why am I so bad at remembering stuff? Like if it is out of sight, it is out of mind. But for me, especially what we're doing and running a business, it's kind of like idea, another idea, another idea, another idea. Like I'm always excited about trying something new. And I feel that I don't really plateau in ideas. And so I'm kind of always, I feel like I'm always working towards something and it's really helped me not stay stagnant in the way that I'm creating, because I'm also always kind of trying to create something exciting for myself because I am chasing dopamine. And so I feel that entrepreneurship and being able to structure my life in a way that works and modern entrepreneurship, releasing a little bit of the ideas of what it should look like by society has really worked so much better for my life. I feel like my life is working with me much more now. And 
Business map has been really great about learning structure that has worked really well for me and my business. Yeah, I feel like my brain kind of works like that as well. So my education is probably more so like that. So for you guys that got diagnosed not too long ago, what was your view with people with uh, neurodiverse symptoms? So, you know, looking from the outside, did anyone here ever have any negative viewpoints of people that had ADHD when you're growing up or anything like that? Well, I guess ADHD was only really described for young little boys who were disruptive in class. So that is just what I thought ADHD was. And it wasn't until I read an article, it was like 25 points of ADHD in women generally. That's like a very generalized term. And not all people who um, have an attentive type identify as female either. But yeah, it was like 25 things. And I, had 20, I identified with 24 of those things. I'm like, oh. There you go. So the hyperactivity is generally like in my brain rather than, although like I do do a lot of um, moving around. But yeah, I just, I think I just presumed that it was a naughty little kid. Yeah. That perception that it was like a young yeah. boy and my perception was the same. Mm. Did that stop you from getting mm. diagnosed? No. I went and mentioned it to my doctor and I said, oh, I think I have ADHD. And she said, no, maybe you have bipolar. And then just went on about something else and so I left it for a year also executive function like going to the doctor is it's a lot of effort and then I went back a year after and I explained to the doctor what ADHD is and how it presents um how it presents for me and she was like oh yeah all right and she gave me a referral to a psychiatrist um, and then five months later I phoned the psychiatrist and got an appointment and then was diagnosed on the spot I remember when you um, actually went and got diagnosed because you were in the business back when it all happened. And then, yeah, Yeah. it was just a big change. For you, did it change dramatically in the sense of like now sort of making a sense of the way that you worked and then being able to actually navigate, you know, those symptoms and and then actually sort of work towards changing things up to work for you? So you know that you're not just, oh no, you know, I just, before I just thought I just didn't do things right. But now you're like, oh no, I understand you know, the way that I actually work? Unfortunately not, because I think it's really hard in this society when there is expectations of everyone and then trying to undo those expectations on yourself is really hard. So I still have that like belief of myself that I should be able to do this, 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 this in like a certain time frame, or I should just be able to do this. Like it's, it's not that hard. And so I still can really bully myself in comparison to an um, like atypical person. But I do sometimes be like, no, Amy, like calm down. You've got ADHD, like it's fine. And then, um, but then that still doesn't make it better. So I still need to learn what's best for me and how I do actually work. That's not an expectation of society. So I think it is like, I love, I think like I wouldn't be a photographer. I probably wouldn't have this job if I wasn't didn't have ADHD because I'd fit into some normal thing. Very true. But it hasn't quite changed how like I mean I work for myself. I should be able to do it how it works for me. Like that's a cool thing, but it's still really hard to undo societal expectations of yourself. So I'm still figuring it out and it's a long, long process. But yeah, so it hasn't actually changed that much, but it at least explains just a lot to myself, but I haven't really changed anything yet. I think that's what Amy said was really important to bring up is that I have over a period of time come to accept that there's not actually anything wrong with me. I mean, there is something wrong with me, you know, medically, but I shouldn't bully myself for the fact that the world I live in doesn't accommodate me. Um, And the fact is that there's so many things that I am 
put in uncomfortable situations, you know, to do with ADHD and autism because of the way that our society is structured, not because of any fault of my own, just because this is the world that I live in and I just have to put up with it and I have to adapt. And I think that's what's really interesting about a lot of people who are diagnosed late in life with ADHD. I'm someone who once I I was diagnosed, it sort of lifted that curtain. I was able to see the fact that everything in my life I have adapted. I do everything in these very specific, very special ways in order to accommodate myself in other people's world. You know what I mean? Mm. That's really interesting. What about you, Nick? Yeah. So I wasn't officially diagnosed when I was a kid, but my parents did take me in and like, they ran me through some tests and like, yeah, you've probably got it. You should probably put them on Ritalin or something like that. And uh, I'm very thankful. My parents actually chose not to do that. But I think back then, you know, there wasn't as much information out about it. So even though they didn't put me on Ritalin or, or medication, which I am thankful for, there wasn't a lot of like, well, this is how you deal with it. This is how you help them build scaffolding, you know, like all of these ADHD terms for helping them, helping us build our lives in a way that's conducive for us. We didn't have that. And so I think for me and a lot of people like me uh, growing up that way, we probably came away and later in life with some, some trauma thinking that there was something wrong with us, that we were bad, lazy, just kind of no good. And I, I spent a long time feeling that way. And so when I went and officially got diagnosed, they're like, no, you have this, it's severe. We're going to put you on some medication. And I spent probably six months to a year trying to find that combination of meds that would work for me. And it was, it was a freaking nightmare. Like I went from Vivance, Adderall, Wellbutrin, like you name it, they put me on it. And like, it was awful. I hated it. Like it, it changed my personality drastically. Like I got violent and it was just, it was not good. So for me, it's been relatively negative, but I would say since launching my business, having the the space and the freedom to explore it more, understand it, get into counseling, and that kind of, and just again, really having that space to figure it out has been it's been incredible. I, I've made more progress as a person probably within the last four and a half years of my business than I did the prior 30 years. Do you think because now you got focus and you're um, interested in something, so you can hyper focus on that thing? Yeah. Yeah. So I can hyper focus on it. And, you know, when you work that nine to five, like, you know, one thing I really wanted to focus on was my health. Uh, cause I wasn't sleeping. I have severe sleep apnea, but like, I never, I never knew that. Cause I never had the space to like set doctor appointments and, and go figure it out and do like overnight sleep studies. And, and I just never had this, the space to figure that out. And once I launched my own business, I I'd have three and four days in a row where like, if I needed to go to do a sleep study or go to this doctor or travel to this doctor, like I could, whereas before I didn't really have that freedom. And so I was able to get some of those things figured out. That's awesome. One thing I'd like to know is like with your lifestyle and lifestyle choices, like how many things during your day-to-day, um, how many times during the day-to-day do you have to think about these things? You're talking about how it affects your relationships or your relationship and how that all sort of works. So in your day-to-day life, like how much does it come up and um, how much do you actually have to change and pivot the things that you do? How about you, Trey? So I'm actually medicated now, have been for probably the past four months. Finally, I'm 29 years old. I'm married with two kids. So just a little bit of context there. So is this the first time that you've been medicated? First time since like elementary school. Wow. So before this, it's been years of 
diet change, exercise, stumbling in my words, my thoughts, battling emotion, uh, either anxiety or being overwhelmed with things to do, and then verbally expressing that and talking. And there was a lot of pivot that had to happen. There was a lot of mistakes that I had to learn from. I was disciplined a lot as a kid, probably for just being energetic or not saying the right things, maybe hurting people's feelings. I lost friends. I was the awkward kid sometimes, but I love people and I love being around people and people just, I'm super social. And I'm just even being in this little space right here. It's fun. So there was a lot of pivot that I had to do. When I jumped on medication, it was just something that I believe because, yeah, because I started the business back in September last year, there's a lot, a lot of good information. And I would describe it as like this massive spider web of things. There's so many different things and so many little areas you can go into. And it was hard to like balance that. And it got to the point where I was frustrated with myself because I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I work a nine to five and do this photo gig thing and take care of kids. So I'm busy. And so it was a lot. So my wife finally encouraged me, let's go ahead and get you an appointment. Let's kind of get it set up. When I jumped onto medication, there wasn't a drastic personality change. It was an immediate connection of, I have things to do and now I can do it. And so I can sit and have this conversation and almost there's no daydreaming. I'm here and it's present and it's life-changing. And so now that I'm, I don't have to pivot too much. I do I get excited. So there's a lot of topics that I would really love to talk about in this, but obviously I can't just ramble. So there is a little bit of, um, it's called ADHD masking. And so we have to like, we have to pull back and control, control the excitement, control some of that emotion, control words. And uh, I find myself talking normal at a normal pace. Outside of medication, I would be like um, an auctioneer. So hopefully that answers that question. Yeah, it kind of like brings me on to the next question as well. Because I wanted to talk about uh, masking and how everybody has sort of done that differently. Maybe Katie, have you got anything on, on how you, I guess, mask your symptoms? Yes. So I feel like I was the queen of masking in <laughs> my earlier life. And I was raised by school teachers. So the classroom structure was kind of my everyday life. In school, I totally now see where ADHD was present, mostly in like social situations and kind of masking from like an early age. In school, I learned that if I waited till the teacher was done teaching the lesson, I could not retain the information. And so I had to like immediately start working. And I used to get in trouble in school for finishing my work too fast. And it was masking because I had learned I cannot give myself time for my brain to think. And I actually named my business after having ADHD as a daydreamer. The Daydreamer Diaries was definitely a little bit of an inspiration to myself because for me, exactly kind of what Trey was saying, the rate of which I talk is very intense sometimes. And I would notice that people would give social cues like, wow, that 
you got some ideas going for you there. And I would kind of naturally make myself more reserved. And throughout my life, I think it caused a really serious buildup of anxiety because I was constantly going through a thought process of, am I coming across as talking too much? Am I saying the right thing? Am I, you know, what are they thinking when they look at me? And so I would be looking at someone and interpreting their facial cues and in my brain being like, focus on what they're saying, focus on what they're saying. And so I got exhausted and it created a very emotional storm. And that's when I finally went in and was like, listen, the older I get, And now I'm here and I'm in charge of the structure in my life. So it wasn't set for me. And I was trying, I had accommodated my whole life by masking basically. And when the structure was removed and I was responsible for figure out when you do everything, how to do everything, I was just like, oh, and my kids are young. So interrupting me. 15 times in the morning, me writing emails before I was medicated was the hardest challenge of the day. And I used to wake up at 4.45 a.m. to have an hour and 15 minutes to respond to emails before my kids would start talking for the day because it was just so much mental stimulation that I, I couldn't keep up anymore. And so I definitely feel that I've gotten to relax and kind of accept it a little more as I have added in that structure, which I think Business Map has been really great for. And I would not hire a business coach because it was very anti-ADHD friendly. And I'm talking interactions with my CPA at first. I was like, I can't, I can't keep up with all of this. I can't do this, but it's really about finding the right balance. And I find that I'm relieved of masking in certain ways because I have been able to harness it in more of a positive way recently, but lots of steps happen to get there. That's perfect. How about you, Jill? Have you done any kind of masking? Uh, A lot. Um, Finding out that I was autistic at 32 was very enlightening and part of being medicated for my ADHD made my autism worse as well. So that was a really interesting part of the journey. But yeah, masking has been a huge thing for me. I sort of, I grew up in a family where you were to be one thing and that thing only and anything else was less than acceptable. Um, And so I sort of spent my whole life just trying to pretend to be neurotypical as much as possible, even though I didn't know that was what I was doing. And it's been really healing for me to forgive myself and to move past that expectation. Um, But sort of the double-edged sort of that is that now I need to figure out who I am because I haven't been present for the last 32 years. I've been showing up as someone inauthentic and um, that's a really confronting process to go through and it's really tiring and emotionally exhausting, but I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do it. Hey, Jill, since you got diagnosed, have you had any lifestyle changes? Any changes with your actual lifestyle, your diet, like um, anything else? Yeah, I have sort of gone really extreme with it. I'm basically nocturnal now. I don't sleep a lot. I probably get four hours sleep a night on average. And it's been really helpful for me to give in to the fact that my brain is the most active from like 
you know, 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. So that's when I do most of my editing and that sort of stuff. I do most of my shoots in the afternoon. Um, so that's been a big lifestyle change. But with that comes sacrifice. You know, I can't socialize as much. I don't get opportunities to do, you know, just daytime things that people normally do during the day, that sort of stuff. The other thing is just accommodations, just allowing myself to narrow down what about specific tasks I'm struggling with, break it down to its individual components, and then figure out what part of that is triggering my executive dysfunction or my task paralysis, and then overcome that. So a lot of it has just been about slowing down and focusing and paying attention to myself. Perfect. Hey, Eliza asks how open you guys are with being diagnosed and like with not only like your friends and family, but also your community, your clients and everybody else. And maybe I'll start with you, Amy. Well, I am a chronic oversharer that is like relating to an ADHD superpower, which I really struggle with because um, I've got terrible self-esteem. So I'm like, nothing about me, it's super. But um, my oversharing and my really and my chattiness are definitely my superpowers so and make everyone around me comfortable because I've got no filter. How, how open are you with sharing that you're being diagnosed and who do you share it with? Um, well, when I was first diagnosed, I was pretty open on Instagram to be like, this is it. This is what I've got. This is who I am. Wow, cool. It's nice to get to know this about myself. And I was like, watch out world. I'm going to change. Didn't. But I haven't been too open lately because of like the, probably like the spirals I can get in about shaming myself. So like the last few months, I've just been really stressed and then I get task paralysis and I really struggle with knowing what to focus on. And so to me, editing is really easy. And so at least I feel like I'm getting something done. So I might focus on that, which means that emails can really suffer. So I'm not open about that because I don't want my clients to think that I'm useless and ignoring them or not prioritizing them or something, but it's just this spiral I can get in. So you do tell your clients? No, so I'm not, I won't be saying oh, okay. I'm having like, so you know, suffering like ADHD burnout or something. I mean, I'll, I'll just be like, oh, because I have ADHD, but then it's, I'm no longer at the moment anyway, I'm not too, I'm not really sharing those specific things, but I want to, but I haven't really been doing much on Instagram lately. So I don't want to be like, hey, everyone, I have ADHD. Don't want to write back to email. Bye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, yeah, so I've just got to figure out. So I, but I am open about it. I'm very open about the fact that I've got it, but not all the specific traits that it brings. But yeah, I don't have, I have no shame sharing that I've got it, but yeah, just not those things. But now that I'm here, I've got some content. Let me like, hey, everyone, got ADHD. Here's an update. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. So yeah, thanks for the content, Joe. It's great. Okay. Um, how about you, Nick? Do you share yes. with your community, with your friends, with your clients? Not so much with my clients. Like, I mean, I do post about it on Instagram every once in a while. I think for me, using social to find a community of people with ADHD, there's like a couple of, I guess you'd call them influencers that have ADHD that talk about their what they go through. And and it was really awesome to to find out that I wasn't alone and how I felt, thought, or operated. Um, so I'll reshare that stuff. And sometimes, you know, like brand strategy sessions, I'll, I'll share some stuff. But when I got like the official diagnosis about five years ago, it was a really transformative process because my, I don't know if this was masking or not. It, it probably was, but I was a yes man. I said yes to everything, not even just like creative stuff, like 
for like, Hey, you want to help me move? Yeah, cool. Do you want to help me do this? Cool. Like I would just say yes to everything. And I was just so burnt out. I became a doormat, super duper low self-esteem as well. And so the transformation process for me was pairing my circle of people down because I'm a chronic oversharer as well. And I, I did that with everybody. And um, so for me, like really cutting the circle down to like, I would say probably like six people that I'll talk to about it. Like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this this week. So if I don't get back to you, don't take it personally. But yeah, I, I definitely don't have a problem sharing about it, but I would say that the last four to five years of learning how to deal with it has drastically caused me to cut down my circle and, and the people that I'm super open with about it. How about you, Trey? Throughout your whole life, like at school and everything, were you always open about it? I think I was still trying to understand what it was. My mom kind of knew that I had it. Tried to, she was the main influencer, tried to help me out in my life. I think my dad, not so much of like, just not believing I had it, but didn't want me to look down on myself and said, Hey, listen, you have lots of energy and creativity. Don't tell yourself that you have some disease that sounds bad. You know, like you've got a creative mind, you've got so much in you that you can do. And so with that, I was not really sharing it, not because I wanted to hide it. I think it just wasn't even in my mind, I think I was just too energetic, too open out and out there. Um, and but I think people knew that I was the wild child, and um, either people wanted to be around me or they didn't. And the social cues is something that I had to really, really look for. And uh, sometimes it'd be a little bit too late, and I would be hard on myself with, "I need to do better next time." And you know what? I may have just burn the bridge there and and I'm going to have to work through that and and move on and nowadays just as Nick said I've kind of cut down the circle of people that I would tell um it is currently up on my website in my about page but after the website live event that you and Mel did um I watched that stellar stuff and I reviewed my own website and looking at it uh through the whole thing and I and I kind of laughed and I and I said this is an ADHD website because it is like 11 paragraphs of nothing but me in my about page. And I was like, I got to trim that thing. No one's reading that. And in there, it's, uh, there's some ADHD bits in there, but I'm like, nobody's reading that. So yeah, like I'll be changing that. I'll be changing my website. And I mean, my website's crazy long, but that's, um, so yeah, I don't tell my clients, I don't really put it out on Instagram. Cause I feel like I only have so much bandwidth with a nine to five wedding gigs, like wife and kids and trying to have a social life and chase the dopamine. Like there's, there's only so much bandwidth I have mentally. And so I felt like maybe going into detail and providing resources on Instagram or education, maybe a blog or two about it. I think it's a little bit much right now. And then I also don't want my clients to get worried. I don't want people to worry that. And they say, he's struggling with anxiety. Am I going to get someone who's focused at my wedding? How's it going to help me in my wedding day? Can I trust this person? Is he going to freak out on the day of? A lot of different things because not everybody understands it fully. We're just energetic and can't focus and sometimes emotionally out there. What else? It kind of goes back and forth. It's like, educate them, don't educate them. So I don't really talk to people about it. Really just been, I know some people close to me know. If people ask, I don't mind telling. I guess it's just, 
I want to, I want to show up for my business and be kind of professional in a way, if I want some of those higher paying clients, because more than likely they may not care or it's just not something they want to hear about, which is okay. I want to be as present as I can to serve them as best as I can on their day, on their day, because it's about them. A couple of you guys actually said a few interesting things. Amy was talking about content. Nick was talking about influencers that talk about ADHD. And then Trey, you were just talking about like having it on your website. And so one really important thing, and many of us forget this, is that we all have a superpower and we all got a story. And our stories uh, and the ones that we decide to share shape our brand. And our brand, just like just like branding a cow back in the day, is something that's on you that you can't get rid of. And, and so sometimes we need to shape it in the narrative that we want it to be for the world. So for instance, like if... Um, Amy, for instance, if, if you're like suffering hard and, and you're not getting back to emails and things like that, um, that could be your brand now, opposed to actually being open and talking about it. Um, and then it changes the brand because it's like, hey, here's someone um, that's just like me because I hired her because she's like me and I fully understand her and she understands me. And now it's a different story and there's like a different talking point and there's content around it. Trey, I understand what you're saying. Like it's, it's hard to make it about yourself and, and talk about it and stuff. Personally, I don't think it's a bad thing to have it on your website. And I also think um, you tend to attract the right people that you actually understand you and you understand them as well. And hey, maybe you could shoot one big chaotic ADHD wedding and everyone's just cruising around doing everything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that'd be a lot of fun. Like. <laughs> <laughs> DIY weddings with no coordinators and no schedules. Yeah, yeah, exactly, That's... exactly. No budget. <laughs> like no one knows actually what's happening. Yeah. 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 Oh man. See, I'm yeah, not everyone else. <laughs> I talk really openly about it because it's part of who I am. And there's no hiding the fact that I'm neurodivergent. Like I'm weird as hell. I got pink hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All of my clients end up being neurodivergent too because we're weirdos who attract equal weirdos. Mm. And I, th- I think because I because I came from a background of really advocating for mental health because I thought for a long time that I had anxiety and depression and I was always really open and really vocal about that on social media that transitioning into talking about ADHD just made sense to me. So I'm the opposite to everyone else. I go to client meetings and I'm like, cool, here are all the things that I can bring to the table because I'm weird as hell and here's the way that I might be different but here are the ways that I accommodate myself for that. So I sort of over-explain in a way that prepares people for who I am and what I bring to the table versus, you know, not really focusing on what I'm not able to do for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I Can love I just that. say I do write back to emails? <laughs> we both know you don't. <laughs> I, I emailed you like six months ago. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, when, pe- when people are nice to me, I don't write back. <laughs> just the bad emails. I will say emails is just one of those things that I can't, I, I don't like the notification bubbles. And so... Mm. That's just, I think OCD is part of just a sub symptom of that. So I know. Oh my Jack gosh. Me, oh my gosh. I no. would die. <laughs> I got so no, many so notification bubbles all over my phone. Some, some of that's probably know. junk. Yeah. I don't even know what to look uh, yeah, at anymore. So it's, um, is that why you have this email say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't email me. When someone emails, I emailed you a week ago. I'm like, well, I've got 5,200 people in front of you. So <laughs> Take a number. email someone else. Take a number. <laughs> yeah. No, I do love that. And I think, um, like you were saying, Jill, you're, you're creating a brand. And I think what we all need to do, and um, 
including myself, is we actually need to get a whiteboard out and we need to write down the stories that we want to share and the ones that we don't, but then the way that we want to share it and how that impacts our business and how that can be more inclusive and bring the people in that we actually want to work with. Because, hey, going forward, if you don't have to dim your light for anyone, life becomes really easy, which is really cool. And I've learned that over the years, you know, because um, for me, like I've definitely got more energy than anybody else. Um, I'm not diagnosed with anything, but I've just got more energy. People can't handle me. But then I used to feel bad about it. But now I'm like, man, if you don't like this, just don't be near this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where the expectation came that we need to pretend to be neurotypical all the time. I'm not. Why should I have to pretend to be? For who else's comfort? Mm. At a cost to myself. It takes my mental energy. It takes my time. It takes exactly. my emotional fortitude. And for what? For other people's comfort. That's ridiculous. I'm done. I'm done. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Good it's good. And I think everybody in this room has come to the point when they are saying that like enough is enough. And then I think that's probably why you guys are all self-developing and working inwards now and finding new communities and new people because you're on that self-growth. And I feel like not everyone's here that is diagnosed with ADHD and a lot of people probably on the down slope, there'll be people listening right now saying, I wish I had the courage to share this. I wish I could find a room like this. I wish, you know, like it wasn't so hard for me. And um, I think as we all grow, and learn a lot of things, then things can turn around. And then it is the, that one thing that we do is just like enough's enough. Fuck this. And once we say that to ourselves, everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree, Nick? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's ultimately, it's just being, being okay with it. You don't have to be this quote unquote normal. The coolest part about each and every single one of us on this planet is that there is only one of us. There's only one Jai. There's only one me. There's only one Nick. Everyone is, is, is born and just personality and everything is, is so unique. And so it's okay to be the only one because it means just you're, you're that much more special. And nobody, like Jai, you said, no one can copy you. I agree. Hey, let's talk about some little hacks that we have with staying focused and time management because I want to hear like what everybody does in regards to all those things. So maybe Katie. So I actually have completely, yes. (laughs) And Jill's holding up a a full, like the Perspex board with lots of sticky notes all over it. It looks very organized and it's obviously right in front of her (laughs) face all the time. Yeah. My ADHD, like I start the day with my ADHD and this is something that has helped me so much. And I actually read a book about dopamine hacking in an airport once and was like, when I get home, I'm going to do that because why not? You know, trying to find dopamine. I bought every supplement that I can buy online laying in my bed at night with ADHD. And so I came home and for the first hour of my day, every single day, I have a rule that I'm not allowed to sit down. And it starts my day with so much more productivity, even on the days where I'm like, all right, for 60 minutes, I'm just going to stand up. And so I would naturally start looking around and be like, all right, I'll do that. And then I'll do that. And then I start my day with this process. And I also do zero screens for the first hour of my day. My psychiatrist told me that when we start our day with a screen, it like asks for that level of dopamine to be continued throughout the day. And we can kind of set ourselves up to have the day spiral at the end slightly more that way. And so 
I do that. And then I really struggle. I'm hearing everyone say emails are like, don't get responded to. If I don't see it, it's not there for me. And so that has been a huge struggle. But one thing I have learned is that I do have to keep a calendar on my computer. But for me, everything being written down is really critical for my memory. And so I have so many notebooks for different things. I have one notebook that's just a dump journal and it is absolute chaos. There's no lines. It is what I keep with me at all times for anything. So it's very unstructured. And then I have like substructured notebooks where I write everything down. And I have a handwritten calendar that I still write out that if I do not write it on that calendar, it probably isn't happening. And so for me, that structuring business hours, kind of like I was saying earlier, waking up, responding to emails when it works for me, I also edit at night. And that's something that is very comfortable because it's just kind of mindless for me to go through. It's like a coloring book activity almost. And so those hours of the day that works really, really well for me. But I think also setting expectations with clients that has been like my biggest coping mechanism, I would say, because I really do kind of try and overshare right away and just set the expectation because I actually had a few instances where clients were frustrated and they were like, Hey, when I email you and you respond at 1.30 AM, that doesn't really work for me because I wanted an answer. And I was like, Hey, just to let you know, it might take a full 24 hours to get back to you. If we're working at different times of the day, I promise I will get back to you. And so I've really started writing out every expectation I have for my clients. And then I'll either, I try to send an email summary, but I really try to verbalize that and then also send that to them so that they get the expectation. And my clients have been super understanding. They weren't previously. And so I've kind of been able to gain a little more awareness about ways that I can work with it rather than against it. And yeah, I like, it's wild around here when I'm standing up for one hour every day. (laughs) I'm just like, I I love the stand up rule. That's such a cool rule. That's rad. It has been so helpful and it really does like the difference of if I break that rule and days that I absolutely do not break that rule, it really is a huge difference and it really sets the tone for the day. Well, another big thing and a lot of people don't do is um, the, the rule where you don't start the day off with looking at screens because what a lot of us don't realize is you lose control of your day because you lose control of the way that you start it. Because when you open up your when you open up your phone and you get a negative email or you get like a, a message or you get something, then all of a sudden you're thrown off and that's how your day starts. And it's so important for us to protect ourselves and our mindset before we get into all those things for work and everything else. Hey, Jill, I want to know a little bit more about your little Perspex board you got there. This is my, I call it my job board. So I just whipped it up on Canva and then had it printed by Vistaprint on Clear Acrylic. And it says, you're doing the thing. And then this is my like job workflow. So I've got like prep, proof, select, edit, 
I've got a to-do list. I've got a don't forget list and I've got to get out of my brain list. That's awesome. So everything color coded, all the jobs have their own little peaches are for boudoir shoots because they're booties. <laughs> and it helps me keep everything. It's basically the same system as Studio Ninja. It's just like 3D and I physically pick something up and move it, which gives me a little dopamine hit as well. And when I finish, I take it off and I scrunch it up and I throw it across the room and I get my little hit of my brain drugs. On. I love that so much. Hey, Trey, have you got any hacks? that you use? Yeah. So before I was taking the medication, I had to discipline myself to not look at my phone in the morning. Uh, The moment my feet hit the ground is typically when my brain literally is like a radio and music is like going and you literally can't shut it off. Uh, Sometimes it's great, but other times it's not. So, and if I look at my phone, it's over. And so what I decided to do was put my phone on do not disturb. And so you don't actually see notifications. So that's for iPhone. I'm sorry, Android people, you might be lost. Sorry, no green bubbles here. But uh, but yeah, I keep my phone on do not disturb. I wake up at like six and then I actually keep my phone on do not disturb. I get ready for the day and I go to my local coffee shop. And sadly, I'm their number one customer because I spend way too much money there. But I go there every single morning and I spend maybe about an hour of just peacefully clearing my mind. I'm a Christian. So I read my Bible. I put my AirPods in noise canceling. Love that. And, um, and I do some worship music or just begin to talk to God about, Hey, here's my day. I I try to narrow that field down to just like that one thing I'm doing. And, uh, and then when I feel like I've gotten just a little bit of that snowball rolling in the day, I'll go ahead and whip out my dopamine and I'll unlock my phone and check Instagram, check email. And that's when basically the the flood opens and it's just like, okay, I can tackle everything. And, uh, and I'm very much well-prepared for the day. And, um, that's one big hack is to do not disturb. Now it's called focus and you can actually set up little focus points. So if you're working out, there's a focus for that. And it'll actually tell other people who are trying to text you, this person's working out. They may not see your message. This person's emailing, they may not see your message. This person is at a wedding, they may not see your message. You can create so many different focus modes for whatever you're doing and, and they activate throughout the day. Ooh, I'm going to set check those it out up. if you haven't. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So check that out if, if you really want to hack there. I use also reminders for iPhone and notes. Reminders, I've got so many lists. I've got the business map. I've got photography. I've got bridles. I've got ideas. I've got brochures and guides. Like I've got, it's kind of like the journal thing is it's literally just any idea. It, it gets dropped into there. And it, yeah, if I can, if I can get to it, that's great. But I check it every day and it's like, okay, what can I do today? I'm, I'm a goal oriented person. So if I can knock off one of those little things, that's amazing. Whether that's researching venues or writing down a paragraph on a new blog or a new catchphrase for a website, like anything that, that helps progress and then notes when I'm doing webinars or workshops or anything, I'm able to take so many different notes and catalog that. So, so yeah, those little hacks, um, it works, but really just set, set time away for clearing your mind is, is a big one. You really need to start out your day with just taking the time for yourself uh, before you get to everybody else because the world is not going to stop with those notifications or emails or anything. And you need to best prepare yourself. 
and then try to get focused. And then maybe have a time in the middle of the day where you're saying, okay, I'm going to put my phone up and I'm going to listen to some music and just, just take a 15 and, and not do anything. They can wait. That's perfect. I love that. Three little hacks that I like. Three or four little hacks. Perfect. What about you, Nick? Yeah. So I'm kind of like you. I have a, a wall that is just whiteboard. <laughs> and love so my whiteboard. for me, like I have, yeah, the lifesaver. I have to brain dump. Um, like I just have to get everything out of here and into the real world. But honestly, I'm still, I feel like early in, in the game of learning how to, to deal with some of this stuff. So the whiteboard definitely helps me, but it can also bite me in the ass <laughs> because I'll see everything. And I have list upon list upon list upon list of like, I've got to do this for my business. I've got to be a better husband, a better father. I got to get to the gym. I got to, and like, that'll all be on the board. I'm like, I could live 10 lifetimes and, and never get all of this done. Um, and so I can get very, very overwhelming very quickly. So I do have to be careful about that. But I think getting in good communities, people that understand, but also just understanding your particular take on ADHD, like what symptoms you have and what options are out there for you. So like I've been looking into like scaffolding and like, you know, a really common ADHD thing is the time blindness where we can get hyper-focused on something and then like 24 hours or for me, like I had, I had a, uh, a spout right as I was getting into college because I was getting ready to go to like a music college. So there's going to be like live music and, and bands and, and studios. And so it's going to get to go like be in recording studios and stuff like that. And I was just so hyped that I literally didn't sleep for two days straight. Cause I like wrote a song, recorded it and then like re-recorded it. And like, you know, I just, I can get super hyper-focused like that, but for me, I've also realized that my time blindness isn't just to time. It's to time, people, places, and things. Like if it's not physically in front of my face, um, there's a good chance that it doesn't exist until it ends up back in front of my face again. So just learning how that works, how my motivation levels work, how quickly they can deplete, how to refill them, all of that kind of stuff. So I think I'm still in that knowledge gathering phase of like, okay, this is what's actually happening to me. And now I've got to start figuring out how to, to make it work for me. If I may jump in there real quick, just a comment. It's, um, it, it's a big thing, time blindness, but also like I've experienced loss of time. I'll drive an hour. I won't remember 50 minutes. And I will sometimes not even know like how I got from one place to another. And sometimes it's dangerous, but I'm always thankful for a subconscious that usually <laughs> is doing that for me while my mind is like playing a movie in front of my eyes. Yeah. It helps every once in a while on those long car rides, yeah. but it's, it is kind of dangerous. And, um, and yeah. sometimes when I'm editing late, late at night, I mean, what is it with us editing late at night? It just works. Peaceful. It does. Yeah. My wife will sometimes like, she'll make like a dinner or bring me like a dessert or something like that. And she'll set it down and, next to me and like an hour goes by and she's like, you weren't hungry. And I was like, where? And it's next to me. And I'm like, I didn't even see that. I didn't see that. I, we, uh, she, she literally brought me, she made me a cupcake and she put it down right in front of me. And I was like busy doing something. And I was like, when'd you put that there? And she goes a very long time ago. And I, and I always feel bad because I'm like, man, I wasn't present enough to either yeah. give her the attention or say thank you or to notice or to even sometimes compliment her time loss or just we're so focused and sometimes it's a strength but we have to realize it can be a weakness if we are too focused but yeah 
hundred percent. Loss of time is weird. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it weird. <laughs> and, it, and sometimes we don't even like, man, I wish we could have that time back and do something different. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Now I add something really funny to loss of time there. This will be quick, but I totally blamed Jai last time because that happened to me. I was, <laughs> I was driving and I'm listening to the podcast and I was just wrapped up in what I was listening to. And I drove 47 minutes past my exit and I realized it. And You're I was like, like frick? <laughs> oh, and so I had to go back and I was like, I'm really sorry. I was listening to a podcast while driving and driving was the only thing happening. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Just back to the original question. It's just like, I did that thing where I thought of something and then I couldn't concentrate on anything else until I've said it in terms of like hacks that helped me. I, with what Nick was saying about like really learning about yourself and paying attention to yourself, I had to like really engage that pattern recognition part of my brain to understand what helped me and what didn't when I was working. And something that I think people listening will like is fidget toys. And I actually use children's chew toys because I realized that I always chew on pens when I'm in hyperfocus and ruin entire pens. So I just went out <laughs> and bought kids' chew toys. And now when I'm editing, I just chew yep. just completely absentmindedly and it really helps me focus. So anyone who's listening to this who might be in that phase where they're learning about themselves, just actually pay attention to what you're doing with your hands when you're doing well and then figure out how you can weaponize that. I use a deck of cards. I just, yeah, I just no. cut them and yeah, yep, 100%. What about you? Have you got some hacks for us? Yes, it's kind of like get everything that everyone just said and mesh it together and that's me. Put it in a bag and mix it up. um, Yeah, (laughs) I am really bad with my phone because it's just a tiny little dopamine delivery every, you know, in my pocket all the time. Every 30 seconds. Unfortunately, yeah, I like open my (laughs) eye and I'm like, my phone. And then I forget to write back to everyone. On my (laughs) best days, the things that really work for me are writing down, like journaling first thing. And it is just absolute dribble, just however I'm feeling. And it helps me like clar- like try and settle some of the million thoughts that are in my brain and exercise. But those things are time-consuming things. And that's where I get in a spiral of like, oh, I should, I should have started work by now or I should have done this. So that's where I need to be like, well, no, Amy, because you actually work better when you do those things. So I've just got to stop undoing. I've just got to undo what I think I should do. I also work in a shared office space, not that that's a possibility for everyone. Um, I'm at home today, but I work in a shared office space and that's been super helpful just to get out of my home. I was going to actually see um, if anyone does that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of like, you know, with COVID and people working from home, they're like, oh, I love it. I hate it. Um, And I was like, oh, cool. And like do so much washing and or just, you know, anything else. So working out of home has been really helpful. And body doubling with neurotypical people, um, so kind of copying them. But turns out everyone in my office has now been diagnosed with ADHD from me. So we're all just, <laughs> a, you know, a bunch of five neuro, like neurodivergent <laughs> people just distracting each other. And yeah, so that's... <laughs> so Shout that's, out to the um, office. You know, yeah, so the, you know, the concept is great, but <laughs> we, um, yeah, end up all of a sudden it's been four hours and we're outside talking. Or being like, oh, look, the sky. Oh, look at the sky. Was that a dog? Oh, my gosh. And I also struggle with object permanence. So if I don't see something, it stops existing. And unfortunately, yes, that's people 
emails, blah, blah, blah. So I have like a, a board like Jill's, but mine is mortifying and it's just got like all my jobs, but I've got an, I wanted to find a new system where it doesn't seem so overwhelming. And instead of just like, oh, the due date of this is this, it's got, I need to have a slideshow done by this day. I need to check in by this day. Because even if I have reminders from um, my CRM, I can still be like, whoa, well, that's another thing I have to do. And I don't know, I just need to find a way to clarify my brain on a board that gets that. But I'm also accepting that those things do really overwhelm me and needing to find ways to make that all right. So whether that's automating a check-in email, I don't, I haven't done it because I don't want clients to feel that it, that, you know, maybe I don't put in something that they've said personally, like, um, but I want to be able to be like, you know, just like to make sure it's sent. It's better done is better than perfect. All of that stuff. But yeah, just finding little things like that, automating as much as I can. Um, I've tried having a VA and unfortunately that didn't work out for me, but that is what I would probably recommend to most people. But yeah, just, um, I need to have a, yeah, I seem to have a cork board of all my things that need to be done and accept how I work. And as long as you go to like, what is a nine to five? Like we don't have to do nine to five. So I just need, I know that I need to be better at just work. I, I no even if I wake up at five, I somehow get to work at 1030 and that should be my start time. And that's okay. Like I just like, there's been a few comments, people like, Oh, it must be so nice to work for yourself and sleep in. <laughs> I can't help it. But yeah, just um, accepting that we have a different, we kind of like have a different circadian rhythm here with ADHD actually, because everyone is saying here that they edit better at night. That's like actually because our bodies are like wired differently. Um, so it's just accepting that we are different and doing those little things. But yeah, my hacks, if I paid attention to them, would be exercising, writing down my thoughts, listening to certain music and yeah, my little cork board and automating as much as I can. Even though that sometimes feel like, well, that's another thing I've got to do, but it will really benefit my business in the long run. I think I had something else before, but it's gone. I don't know if I've gotten. I love all those. And I was I was hoping someone's gonna bring I've up I've been drawing uh, smiley faces. Yeah. I was hoping someone's gonna bring up body body doubling because I know a lot of people use that. And I know my wife, she uses that. And um she will have her employees sitting right next to her when they're busy, she's busy, and when they're not, she's not. And then when they're not there, she gets no work done. And she sort of knows that. So yeah, she'll come in. If there's no one at her studio, she'll come into my studio and sort of just, you know, sit there and get stuff done, which is really good hack. Um, has anyone else worked in the co-working space or hired a VA or hired, you know, had anything like that to sort of help you along? Everyone works buttons. I know that I need one. Okay. What about you, Trey? I used to, I mean, before COVID, I was a full-time photographer for my church. It was an amazing job, but COVID breaks out. You can't really take pictures of a bunch of people, right? So that was a shared workspace. I mean, we were all a creative team, but I found myself like too social, too energetic. And so I realized I wasn't getting any work done. I just love people too much. And so I had to discipline myself. So that's where I started going to the coffee shop and I started doing a lot of work there. And I felt, and I found out something about myself is that I, I do a lot more work and I get things done to that 120% when I isolate myself or go to a place where there is activity around me that I can ignore, kind of like white noise. And so fast forward now, I mean, I'm working differently. I'm back in the corporate field, but um, I'm uh, still at an office. I do a nine to five. So I work 
in cubicles with everyone else, try to stay busy doing the work that, that they had me doing. And then on my breaks and stuff, just doing, you know, photo stuff. And, um, so, but I, I do have this kind of like, if somebody is sitting next to me working, I have this feeling like, what do they need? Are they going to ask me something? Am I going to hear them? Am I going to have to do something for them? Do I have to be a, a team with them for a moment? It's kind of like that looming what if, and then it's kind of distracting. So I try to go into a room and close the door and just crank out some work. Yeah, I love that. Hey, has anyone got any last little thoughts that they wanted to share on here before we wrap it up? I think one of the big, big, big things for me over the last few years of learning how to deal with this, again, aside from all the learning what it is, what symptoms I have, the scaffolding, how I could do this, how I can do that. I think honestly, the biggest thing for me has been learning how to forgive myself and not be so damn hard on myself. You know, somebody mentioned, uh, I think it was you, Amy, that, you know, when you went to see your psychiatrist for the first time, you know, they, they tried to diagnose you with bipolar. That was my GP. That was my doctor. Oh, that was your GP. Yeah. That's actually, yeah. from what I understand, that's, that's wicked common is we get mislabeled with bipolar, schizo effect. Like I've just heard all kinds of crazy things, anxiety, depression, but they're really all kind of subsidiary uh, things that happen because of the way that our brains work with ADHD. And again, just the way that I was raised again, not that it was bad, but they tried to raise me very neurotypical and I definitely wasn't. And so for me, I spent a lot of time in counseling, really having to hash out like that forgiveness aspect and like that self-hatred and like, I'm not like other people. I'm a piece of garbage, you know, like I can't get anything done. I really am lazy. I think learning how to deal with that was probably a, the first step, but B, probably the biggest step, because again, I, I had that that voice in the back of my head constantly, and that was probably the biggest, biggest battle to get rid of. Yeah, I would agree. I think having self-compassion is really important. It's hard, though, especially when you've grown up in a world where you've got to be one thing. You're supposed to be one thing and then made to feel inadequate. So just I think it's like a really long process and being patient with yourself, but except you're a little weirdo, it's bloody great. And, but to be relevant for photographers, um, especially people starting out, outsource because you're only one person and functioning is hard enough. And a lot of business podcasts are made for neurotypical people So it is really hard. You've got to like take what you can, but not shame yourself into being like, well, everyone else can do this. Why can't I? Like the comparison game is real hard. So you've got to try and shut that down, but outsource and find a community and um, find like what, what works best for you. And it is okay because we're different and it's fun. I think outsourcing can extend to things other than photography as well. You know, I really struggle with home care tasks, with keeping up with dishes and washing and that sort of stuff. can't focus because I'm thinking about how much washing I've got to do is by, you know, allocating resources to have someone take care of those tasks for me. Even though I don't have a VA, I do have a cleaning lady and that's the best $60 I spent online. That's a life changer for me. Something that I wanted to bring up as well, just because we've all talked about the whole night thing. Are you guys familiar with the night watch theory? So the theory is that like back in like caveman days, you had like your hunters and your gatherers and then you also had your night watch. And they were people who in theory, when you were diverse, who wanted to stay up all night and our job was just to stoke the fire. And that's why we're so hypervigilant. That's why we're 
so able to focus on one task that's a repetitive manual task for like hours and hours and hours and hours and why we're typically like social people but in some ways also antisocial and unable to like sustain that social battery. And by learning about that and framing my experience that way as I'm almost a different species to the people around me and I'm doing my best to exist in a world that wasn't built for me and doesn't accommodate me has been really amazing in terms of that self-compassion and forgiving myself for what I can't do. It's not a moral failing that I can't do the things. It's just the way that my brain is wired. And I'm really lucky in that in that I'm bad at some things. I'm also really great at other things that other people can't do. And so I think part of that journey for anyone who might be listening to this, who's on the start of that journey is just give yourself a break and think about the fact that like you didn't choose this and this is just evolution. And here we are. What can you do about it? Just make the best of it. I love that. How about you, Katie? Got any last thoughts or inspirational words for all the listeners? Yeah, I would just say that it's really nice to understand that ADHD is not one size fits all. And I have related to so many points that everyone else has shared and also seen ways that I'm different. I relate to Trey a lot in body doubling, co-working, not for me. I like to go to a coffee shop and I have to have noise canceling headphones and the music volume cannot be over 12. And there's just like little balancing things that I do that kind of support my lifestyle. But there are, I would just echo that there are resources out there. And whether you are pro-medication or not, it has ultimately really affected my life positively, but others don't have that experience. And so there's more, there's so much information coming out. And especially like as women, I was denied an ADHD diagnosis the first time I thought because I was a woman and I was really good at masking. And so I think not giving up on yourself is really important. Finding the right resources, the right providers, the right community is all really important in succeeding in a world where it is not built for us. And so I really just kind of lean into that. The world was literally not built for us. And so I'm just existing on my spicy little island and it's a great now, but there's a struggle there too. Thank you, Katie. Hey, Trey, have you got any last little inspirational quotes you want to share with us? Yeah. So deep down, I, I truly believe that each one of us was just uniquely made. And I would say for everyone, learn to love yourself the way you are. And it's okay because nobody's perfect. But find your superpower, as, as Jai would say, and learn to maximize that and find a way, highlight that superpower and find a way to lift it up, whether that's building your day around, maybe it's brain dumping and creating ideas for other people or photographing a, a creative style outside of your normal methods or weddings or maternity or something like that. And, uh, and I would say find, find somebody who you can talk to, not necessarily in a super private manner. If it has to be, that's great. But find somebody who you can hang out with, make jokes with, relax, and be open about your, uh, your awkwardness or your weirdness and just some of the fun things. And you know, if you have to rant or just talk, Find somebody who you feel like uh, can handle you almost. I almost hate to say that, but sometimes sometimes we are a lot. And then so I, I love these two quotes in addition to what Jai's saying and, and um, you know, done is better than perfect. So as you're doing 
your daily tasks, get it done, and you can refine it later. Done is better than perfect. I would say that you have to start somewhere. You can't put yourself in a position where you are 20 chapters ahead. Don't compare yourself because comparison is the thief of joy. And, um, you know, you got to start somewhere. Uh, And then, so that third quote that I like is, uh, no one is at the peak of their learning. And so everyone's got to learn about themselves. And so there might be some people who have had this for a very long time. They're very, they're experts at it. Um, There are other people who are just discovering this kind of thing. Uh, Don't feel like you're alone. Don't feel like you're inadequate. Uh, You're very important. So talk to someone, even if it's someone with ADHD. I could go on. But, um, and that's just the ADHD part of me. I just want to be helpful and I want to give advice, but I'm going to just, I'm going to just wrap it up there. But uh, thank you. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Nick, Katie, Jill, and Amy. Um, I'm going to leave all your Instagrams underneath the, um, in the, in the show description. So if you want to go and say hello to these guys and um, connect, especially if you've got ADHD and you want to ask for some more hacks and tips and, and sort of connect with the community. Everyone's there. Everyone's happy. I just want to say thank you to you guys for jumping on board. I know it's early in the morning for some of us. It's late in the afternoon. I know it can be awkward. It can be, you don't know what to expect like everything else. And um, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and, and getting real with us. And yeah, thanks for listening to Make Your Break. I'll see you next week.